You know where I was last weekend, and uh, I'm grateful for your prayers as I was able to lay my brother to rest. And uh, what a joy it was to have the opportunity to preach gospel uh, to the town that I grew up in, to people that I've known since I was a child, to uh, brothers and, and sisters in the ambulance association and fire patrol. They had 15 trucks rolling behind my brother uh, as they went through the middle of town, and six different um, fire companies came and stood down the middle of Main Street. It was an honor. As I sit there and you know, thought about what I wanted to say, I just wanted, to, I just wanted so badly to sow good seed. I just wanted to have the right words, and I, you know, if only I could be crafty and witty, and if only I could write like Mark Shibley writes, you know? You know, Mark, when he gets up here, he's not here this morning, but so I can talk about him a lot. Um, you know, he, he has those, he ha- has this crafty way about him. Uh, there are so many o- others of you who have this ability to, to craft words and to speak them well. And I, I, th- I said to the Lord, Lord, what, what do you got? He goes, I'll give you what I got. You deliver it. I'm like, well, what do you got? <laughs> because in, in the midst of what I wanted to say, I only had a short time. I had a homily. And what do you say to a group of guys? And, and they have all sorts of traditions, and though all those traditions got expressed, but they were earthly traditions that were, that were laid flat. All they could do was say, we hope. We hope that something's to come. We hope that there is a heaven. We hope that we've done, lived a good life. And most of it was more about bootstrap r- religion than a relationship. And I was able to get up and say, today there's an invitation. Just as Jesus would say, do you come and see? Come check it out. There's an invitation to a relationship, a relationship that would allow you to have a life that can be lived now with him and not wait to face him in the end. Because we hear in Scripture that everyone will face their maker. Every single one of us. I said it was the, what John Stott has coined the scandal of particularity, right? The scandal of particularity says that there's only one way to the Father. Every other religious structure say that there are ways, some, some are, are less heavy on what happens in the afterlife, sort of, you know, I think a lot of our Unitarian, uh, Universalist kind of brothers and sisters would sort of say you get reabsorbed into the cosmic power source. That's not how I was made. I was fearfully and wonderfully made as an individual with individual gifts for the sake of his kingdom. And he brings us into a new body and a new soul and a new being in that place. I don't know how it works. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could give you hope based on flesh, but I can't. What I can give you is hope based on relationship. And I said when I was 14, I gave my life to Christ. And my life hasn't been the same since. Was it perfect? Many people in that crowd knew what I was like when I was 14. (laughs) I had a lot of work to do. I still have a lot of work to do. But God wants us to be in a relationship so our life has a pattern 
that consistently trusts what he has to offer. Assurances that we are not just sort of absorbed into some cosmic energy source, but that we will one day walk in his presence and worship him in the beauty of holiness. It's not just pie in the sky when you die, but real tangible, thoughtful, clear promises from the Lord. So I had words like Micah 6.8 that I was able to share, and that's sort of what we have on this level. He's shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly. I was able to say that my brother did pretty well at the loving mercy. He was very merciful. He, he, he fought for underdogs. And uh, he, he did justly. He cared about justly. But, you know, the humble part. <laughs> and the room went quiet because they were like, don't pick on, on this guy that we've just lifted up. And I said, we all have to do a little work on the humble part, right? The reality is God calls us into a place where where we don't have to work to receive what he offers. We just have to trust him. We don't have to labor at what he wants for us, though it feels like it in this life because we face this persistent barrage of worldliness, of enemies working overtime to take us out and take us down to people trying to cut us down. We cut ourselves down. We're our own worst enemies. 90% of the time we say, oh, I'll never, I can't, I won't, I should. You've heard me talk about not making a big pile of should in your life. <laughs> Isaiah 55 says to us this morning, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Well, if you don't have any money, how can you buy and eat? What's, what is your currency? Your currency is trust. You trust in the Lord to provide. We ask the Lord to come into circumstances that we can't control. In our lives, we have circumstances where we say, our children are out of control. Our life is out of control. Our finances are out of control. Our minds are out of control. I just want to curl up and go back to bed. I could have listened to Pastor Pillow preach this morning. Dan's boring me already. <laughs> Come, buy wine or milk without money or without price. The cost is trust. The Lord promises that we can enter into his presence because of his unfailing. There's that Hebrew word that pops up again about his loyal love, hesed. That Hebrew word hesed is, it just pops up all over the place in Isaiah because he knows the loyal love of the Lord has saved him again and again. Goes on, listen diligently to me, eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food, incline your ear to come to me here that your soul may live. A few years back, there was a pretty persistent drought out in the Midwest. And um, while farmers were trying to keep their farms open and their crops somewhat living, they faced uh, tiny little plants with very little yield. Uh, grass burned up with this intense heat and the cattle nearly starved. Farmers were forced to close, foreclose and sell. 
uh, except for those who faced uh, bankruptcy or foreclosure. A few farmers just had to give up. And in many cases, they uh, could be seen plowing up hopelessly lost crops and planting other seed. Have you ever seen a first century seed sower? Have you ever seen machinery on a farm planting crops? Sometimes we drive by and we don't even realize that what those machines are, but the machines are relentlessly, persistently placing seed in the ground. But a seed sower would look like a, a, a newspaper boy from when I was a kid. There would be a, a sling pack over his neck, and, and the pack would be filled, overflowing with seed. Didn't matter if you dropped some because you wanted to plant whatever it was that you were planting. And you prayed that you'd have enough rain and enough sun and enough ability for those, those plants to rise up and grow. And they would reach their hand down into that bag and the seed would go out like this. Get the picture? God in his abundance, he just reaches down into the, the bag of his goodies and he's just pouring them out before us so that they might bear fruit. There are countless times in my life where I could say to you that I felt like I was sowing seed in the midst of a drought. It seemed pointless. How many years am I going to bang my head against the wall and say the same things? How, many, how long do I wait? You know that uh, YouTube song how long to sing this song isaiah or psalm 40 how long i waited patiently for the lord he inclined and heard my cry he bought, brought me up out of the pit sometimes we're in a pit that we just don't see that that he's capable of reaching into you can trust him one of the things I've learned over the years because I've walked with him for a while, I've applied what I've said, you know, as a rule of life, a pattern where I do some of the same things over and over again and you know what people will say about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, listen, I'm not trusting in me with those results. I'm trusting in the Lord for those results. And with the Lord, he brings about what we don't deserve. He brings about stuff that we haven't earned. And so when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But if we sow generously, we reap generously. And we say, but Lord, I've been at this for years. I've been fighting these things forever. And I see no crop. I see no yield. I just face drought again and again and again. The Lord was, is looking for somebody who will say, I trust you, Lord, beyond the circumstances. And so we heard this morning from, um, from the psalm, when we think about David as a young child, uh, he was the runt of the litter, right? He was ruddy, and he was a sheep tender. And he was out in the fields, and uh, there was a, an anointing to be given to who was appointed to be God's chosen one, through which the line of the people of Israel would lead to the Christ. Would you have chosen him? No. Would you have chosen the 12 that Jesus chose? No. Would you choose you? No. 
Because I know that I have failings. I know that there are things that God needs to fill the gaps in for. So Jesus tells a story. He's pretty persistent about telling a story, but the point that I have here is that when we share with others, we might come against obstacles that seem lifelong, but God is the one that brings the yield. God is the one that brings the harvest. We may not be the one to tend the soil. Very similar to St. Luke's Church, I was a pastor, uh, associate pastor at St. Paul's Church in Darien, Connecticut. Both churches went through similar renewals, similar growth, uh, had to move out of our building because we were in a place where we just, there were too many people and not a, you couldn't just hold more services. You just, we had to go someplace that would hold more people. So we went to the high school. And in that time period, we just kind of felt like revival was here. Nothing could top this. And then all of a sudden, their leader, Terry Fulham, just like Chuck Irish here, moved on. And it's almost, for, for many of us, because we operate in the flesh, we think, well, the, the glory of God has left this place, or the anointing, or the purpose. But God works in waves through our lives, allows us to go through things that we don't expect. All the while, he's bringing the yield. And I felt very depressed when I look back at St. Paul's today, because I'll drive by it. My daughter still lives in Darien, Connecticut. She came back to be a teacher in the school system there. And as we drive by St. Paul's, it's an empty building. The grass is waist high. The building is deteriorating. It's falling apart. Why, Lord? What happened? Is it broken? Is it gone? What happened? Where's the yield in that? And the Lord very quietly says, You planted churches upon churches upon churches. You sent out leaders to so many other places. Like dandelions in a field, you just blow on it, and the seeds go everywhere. (laughs) So graciously. So really, this parable, while we read it so many times and we talk about you know, what, it, what it's like to be choked up by the weeds or what it's like to be thrown upon the rocks. It's a lesson in evangelism for you. How do we so generously and trust the Lord to bring the yield? Kids are going to go to Chicago this week. They, they may not see anybody come to the Lord. They may not pray the sinner's prayer with somebody. They may not have a formula that, that they were, are going to go for, but they can see joy come on the faces, life come into people whom they've served. And those things are generously sowing seeds into lives that are going to bear fruit. As we look at this parable, the principle of evangelism. Jesus tells these stories because they're stories that people could relate to. It's an agrarian culture, right? They, they, they know how to, they know what's, what's going to uh, grow. They know when it's going to grow, what the seasons look like, because they've worked the land forever. And so Jesus is saying, here are the secrets of the kingdom. Here's what happens in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like that someone who goes out to sow. And the sowing, uh, first one hears and understands the word of God. And then 
The birds come. The devil comes. People come. Lust comes. Stuff gets in the way. Right? We forget. And it gets snatched away. Then the seed is sown upon the path and it doesn't have any roots or it grows up and the thorns are there to choke it. And the, the fact of the matter is it's uh, the seed that falls on rocky soil uh, is those who hear the word, but it falls away. We get scandalized, the Greek word says. We get scandalized by people and we forget who made the promise. One of the things I got to say at my brother's funeral was, you know, I, I need to stand as a representative of the clergy and apologize for what the church has made Jesus. He made him so inaccessible because our judgments and our condemnations that we've not allowed the opportunity for you to have a relationship with the living God. And when we start and we, we become good soil, we, we're in a place where we where we start to see Jesus move in our lives, then when we allow the seed, his word, to fall on good soil, not soil that's scandalized, not soil that is uh, choked out, not soil that is just burnt up or eaten up by the birds, it has real value, real ability to grow a plant. Then what it will yield is 160 or 30 times what's sown. That's what the Word says to us. Well, how does that work in our lives? How does that work in the lives of people around us? And that's why I call it a principle of evangelism. I believe that if you sow generously in people's lives, if you see their needs and you provide for them, if you see a need to give a prophetic word, encouragement, comfort, and strength in somebody's life, you give it. If you see a need around you of just Working as a team, a community, you start to have a vision for how do we get these gifts and we pull these gifts together so that we can go to Copley Heritage Days and make a difference in the life of the people around here and they may not even notice. But next year if we come back and the year after that if we come back again, they start to say, ooh, I want to see what makes that St. Luke's tick. Because we're putting legs, we're sowing generously not expecting a crop, but trusting the Lord to bring the yield. My friends, um, there's so much that we can do in our lives that make us look like good people. And we can do justly and love mercy and sometimes walk humbly. But unless we're yielded to the fact that He is the one who brings the crop and we can trust Him, He is um, Im, un. He, he brings us things that are not scandalized. It's our world that scandalizes the gospel. He brings us the ability to be unoffended and unshakable and unmovable in his word so that when the word is sown in our hearts and it gets solid down in there, we can trust for it to bring a yield even when we can't see it coming. I know there are people here right now. I know it. Not just because uh, I'm intuitive, but because you've shared with me things that seem impossible. Impossible to overcome. You haven't experienced what I've experienced. I'm so grateful, Dan, that you are such an encourager because you've seen so much of God in your life that I think someday maybe I'll trust him enough to see it in mine. 
bologna sauce. He speaks the same things to you that he speaks to me. All you have to do is heed the invitation to come and see. Build, start a relationship. When I was in seminary, some of you have heard me say that um, I used to be so hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't like what I saw because I saw a lot of religion, but I didn't always see it, uh, the Holy Spirit move in relationship. When I saw the Holy Spirit moving in genuine relationship, I saw people um, who were empowered to go make a difference. I saw people who were generous seed sowers. I saw people who were lost in worship. They didn't care what anybody thought or said or even whether they were even looking at them because their focus was so on the Lord. And I encountered people who said to me, well, you don't speak in tongues yet? Or you haven't been baptized in the Spirit yet? Then fake it till you make it. Just open your mouth and say, Shuddha Bada Handa, Shuddha Bada Handa, Shema Lama Ding Dong. And now, forgive me for, that sounds like I'm making fun of it, because at the time, that was scandalous. The gospel, the truth of a relationship with the Holy Spirit was scandalized in my life. And I couldn't believe it for what it truly was. And then when I opened my heart up to know that God was the one who had blessed me with this Holy Spirit, and I could operate in that, all of a sudden there was a freedom that yielded a crop, yielded a harvest that allows me at times to say things I have no idea where they're coming from. So many stories I could tell, but let me just say this. You've been called. You've been gifted. You've been blessed. You have the ability to receive what God has given you and bear fruit with your lives by living with a trust that is immovable. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your economy is, no matter what people are around you accosting you or making you feel oppressed, lift it up, put it at the altar, put it at the foot of the cross, wherever it needs to be for you to be able to say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. And I'm trusting you to not have what gets planted in me snatched away. And the reality is that God, the parable is about the word of God. The parable is about God's word, God's word having hold in our lives, in our hearts. God wants to sow that word. But unless you are in a place where you're daily open to his working, if he's the start and finish of your day, the psalm said it today. Let him be the start and finish of your day so that you might be so prepared for tomorrow that you might go, what's next, Lord? I can't wait. Can't wait to see what you're going to do despite me. What's next? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you yield great fruit in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be persistent sowers. We may not see how you are changing the lives of our brothers and sisters or even our enemies, Lord, but we are called to sow generously so that the seed of your word would bear fruit 
fruit that lasts, fruit that is a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Let that be the way that we evangelize others, not looking necessarily for that notch in our belt or that prayer to be prayed, but more so for our submission to you to be a part of the sowers so that the harvesters could harvest one day. Thank you, Lord, that my brother now knows the presence of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that there are many of us who know people who have gone before us and they know that in their, the, the solid nature of your word that they can trust you for what is eternal. Thank you, Lord, for securing that by your blood, that we might be with you forever. Let that gospel, that good news message ring out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. And let me just give you a takeaway as we're standing up. Um, if, if, you don't, if you're in a place today where you're just not experiencing God the way that you hope that he would reveal himself, just ask him. Be relentless. Be generously sowing in the tank of your, or in the ground of your needing to see God move. Because I promise you that when you put it before the Lord, you put that fleece out there that says, I want more. I want you to show me the reality of your presence. He'll show it. He is unfailing in that way.